Well, we want to welcome everyone to Murrayville Baptist Church. We appreciate all of you being here. Let's all be standing just for a moment of prayer. Um, we appreciate all of you being here. Appreciate our visitors being here. Thank you all for coming to Murrayville Baptist Church. It is our desire when we gather in this place that the Lord manifest himself. We need God to show us himself while we're here. So I want to go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Carlos, if he will, to come and open us in prayer. Good morning, y'all. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do love you and thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to be here this morning. And we thank you for the Sunday school service and the young men on the devotion, Lord, to, to bring the power of your word, Lord, the sword of the word of God. And um, we just pray that you'd help us to understand and to know that we need that so desperately lord to to use your word to fight our battles and to to walk in this world lord and we just pray that you just open our hearts to your word this morning and that you would uh, use us lord and help us to live a sanctified life to reach those who are lost and lord we just pray that you'd be with the speaker to the, uh, our pastor this morning and that you bless the word and uh, just uh, just fulfill each and every need in the church. And Lord, we thank you for each and every one who's here and all their families. You'd watch over us, keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you could remain standing, we're going to turn to page 68. He'll take me through. I'm a glad pilgrim on my way, going to glory land. Jesus, my
if y'all remain standing, we're going to do page 116.
24. Sing page three oh six. Beyond the sky, oh, 
While the choir's coming down, have to turn around and have some fellowship. If you have any tithes and offerings, you can bring them at this time and give them. Thank you for being here. If you're glad to be in the house of God, I want to hear a big amen this morning. Oh, that was so weak. Y'all need to wake up now. I'm not going to let you get by with that. If you're glad to be in the house of God, I want you to say a big amen. amen. A little bit better. Amen. Well, it is a blessing to be here with all of you. And it's our, it's our desire that the Lord come and do something for all of us while we're here. And I pray that you'll get something exactly what you need from Jesus Christ while you're here. Well, you put your earballs on. We've got a lot to announce. We've had some major changes come up just as of yesterday late. And uh, so listen real closely. Our Vacation Bible School has been changed. We would be starting Vacation Bible School tomorrow night, but because of Brother Mike Bennett's sickness, he called me yesterday afternoon, he out of nowhere just got sick, and uh, so we've decided to change the Vacation Bible School to the week of the 25th, and I pray that that does not mess up anybody's scheduling, but it's something that we just had to do, and we regret having to do it, but we, we felt like we needed to do it this way. So it will be July the 25th through the 28th, a Monday through Thursday, same, same uh, weekdays, but just a different date. So remember all of this, and remember to pray for Brother Mike and uh, that God would be with him. And uh, pray for Brother Terry. Brother Terry, uh, he's, he's broke every bone in his body, I think. <laughs> to hear him tell it anyway, no, he... Slipped on some water up under his garage and messed up his foot, chipped a bone in your foot, is that right? And uh, on the top of his foot. And that's why Brother Josh and Brother Ron were up here leading the singing. And we appreciate them pinch hitting for Brother Terry. But uh, anyway, pray for our deacons. I don't know how the church is going to go on now without the two deacons uh, doing what they do and keeping me straight and keeping me in line. And so you pray, you pray for the church. Amen. Um, 
that's the Vacation Bible School. Remember, it will move to the last week of this month. And also, homecoming will be the very last Sunday of this month. That'll give us a couple of days in between the end of Vacation Bible School and homecoming. And I pray that this will be a great homecoming service. Uh, Brother Mike Blanton and his family will be in with, uh, with us singing that day. Brother Mike Blanton will be preaching. I know none of you probably have heard Brother Mike Blanton. He's a tremendous preacher. And uh, looking forward to them being in with us that day and looking forward to just being able to eat some of y'all's cooking that day. Amen. What we do on the homecoming, we all, we do not have Sunday school that day. We all bring food. And uh, after morning service, we all stick around and have some, we have what I call an eating meeting. And so uh, remember all of these dates, the last week of this month. And then I want to say this, that we will be having a leadership meeting soon because at the, at the turn of this, the, uh, August, in August, we have our uh, officer conference in which we install all the officers for the coming year, which will take effect in September. And with that said, let me say this, if you hold an office in the church, and you're wanting maybe to give it up or maybe to change positions or something like that, please, I have to know by today so we can start working on getting that position filled. So please let me know by the end of the service today, and, uh, and we'll, we'll work on that together. And with all of that said, we were going to cancel service tonight, but we will be having service tonight. And uh, so... I want to see every one of you that are here now to be back tonight at 5 o'clock, and we'll, uh, we'll have service this evening. We would be canceling because of working to get Vacation Bible School prepared, but because of the change of venue, we will be having service this evening. Y'all pray for me. I'm, I'm going to try and sing this song this morning. Brother Ron gave me a lot of encouragement. And, and uh, I just want to say this song, <clears throat> Brother Titus taught a couple of weeks ago from John 4 about the, about the woman at the well and that she was thirsty. And, and Jesus told her that if she drank of his water, she'd never thirst again. And Titus kind of touched on this this morning in Sunday school too. So if there's anyone here that's, that's not drank of God's salvation, today would be a good day for that. I, I thank you all for, just pray for me. <clears throat> One day I came to him, I was so thirsty, I asked for water, my throat was so dry, he gave me water that I had never dreamed of, 
But for this water, my Lord had to die. He said, I thirst, yet he made the rivers. He said, I thirst, yet he made the sea. I thirst, said the king of the brought water to me. Now there's a river that flows as clear as crystal. It flows from God's throne up above. And like a Giving mercy and life-giving blood. He said, I thirst, yet he made the rivers. He said, I thirst, yet he made the sea. I thirst, said the king of In his great thirst, he brought water to me. In his great thirst, he brought water to me. thing about that is about two months ago Brother Barry had open heart surgery and uh, open wide open and they gave him three, three bypasses and here he is singing for Jesus. He's a hero. He's a giant in my eyes and, and I sure thank you Brother Barry for singing that song. I had to ask him to sing it because it kind of goes along with my message for the morning. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the gospel according to John, chapter number 19, the gospel according to John, chapter 19. When you find that passage of scripture, if you'll stand to honor the reading of God's word, we'll look at something we've been looking for a while and we've preached on four Messages out of this uh, series on listening to Calvary. We've been visiting Calvary and these messages and listening to what the Son of God had to say while he hung there, dying for the sins of the world. And I pray that maybe this, these messages have brought you a little bit closer to the one who did it all for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And pray that this made your relationship with him made more meaningful, more deeper. And, uh, and today we're going to look at another saying of Jesus Christ as he hung there on Calvary. 
We'll begin in verse number 28 of John chapter 19. Verse number 28. And we'll read two verses of scripture, verse 28 and 29. This is the fifth saying of Christ as he hung on Calvary. The fifth recorded in the Gospels. And, and like I say, we've already been through four of them. Now we come to this fifth thought. Verse 28 reads like this. It said, after this, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, listen what he said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Won't that strike you as odd? That a man thirsty, been out on, hanging on the cross now for six hours, and he cries out, I thirst. Don't it strike you odd that somebody would run and dip some hyssop in vinegar to give a thirsty man? I, I, that just wouldn't be my course of action. But I pray that through the preaching of this thought, this fifth saying of Christ, that the Lord open our eyes to some things that is actually going on, the cross, as we listen to Calvary. Let's, let's bow for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, as we approach this text, Lord, how I need your help. Lord, to feed your sheep and to do it well, Lord, how I need the, the help of God. Lord, this is way bigger than me. It's more than I could do. So, Lord, I, I realize without you I can do nothing. And I'm asking, Father, for the help and assistance of heaven to help me, Lord, to be your vessel to preach this message and feed your sheep today. I love you, Lord, so much, but most of all, thank you for loving me the way you do. Thank you for the way you've ordered the service today. Thank you for all the singing. Thank you for Brother Barry, Lord, in the healing of God, able to stand and sing, I thirst. Thank you, Lord, for all those who've labored so intently to bring us to this point in the service. Lord, as we gather ourselves around the good word of God, May the Lord Jesus Christ speak to us all now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. You can be seated this morning. <clears throat> On this particular day of crucifixion, it was like no other crucifixion they had ever had at Calvary. Calvary was a common place for the Romans to crucify people. It was a place where it was, it was called, in other words, it was called a place of a skull because the mount that they actually crucified, one side of that mount actually looks like the face of a skull. And the Romans would commonly use this place to take criminals to and harden criminals, criminals who had been found guilty of major 
offenses, federal offenses, if you would. And they would bring people to this hill and they would place an old cross, a wooden beam structure, and they would crucify the individual hanging, on the, hanging there at Calvary. On this particular day, it was like no other crucifixion that had ever occurred at this place. For the Son of God was hung between two thieves. And in the hanging of the Son of God, it broke all laws of the Romans and the Jewish people. Jesus was not guilty of any wrong. Jesus had done nothing to deserve I don't know who's, be, is that me going off? Is that, is, is that my eardrums doing that? Somebody's beeper's beeping. <laughs> I just don't want it to distract. It may be the phone call for me. I don't know. But here, Christ the sinless Son of God is hanging between two thieves. And he's done nothing to deserve what he's going through, but he has willingly gone to this place called Calvary to die for the sins of the world. It's like no other crucifixion that they've ever encountered. On this day... It was a rushed thing because it was the Jewish Passover feast. They were trying to do everything hurriedly. They didn't know that they were fulfilling Scripture in doing so, but they were trying their best to get this thing done and do away with this man called Jesus. And they would hurriedly, and at 9 o'clock in the morning, they nailed the Son of God to this cross. For three hours he hung in the blazing sun. For three hours he's hung there from nine o'clock to twelve noon. And the heat is borne down on. In those three hours he pled the cause of others. The first thing he said was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When he cried out that plea of prayer. He was praying for those who had personally driven the nails to his hands. He's pleading for them who had personally beat it, uh, his back with whips of cat of nine tails. He was pleading for those who had spit in his face, who had mocked him. And it goes a lot further than that though. He was pleading the cause of every one of us who are here today. He was being the mediator between God and man, a holy God and a sinful man, and saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then one of the malefactors who was crucified with him, they realized who Jesus was. They read, they saw everything happen. They heard every word that Jesus said. And one of the male factors hanging next to Jesus Christ looked at him and said, Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus looked over at him and said, Today 
Thou shalt be with me in paradise. He was pleading the cause of an old lost sinner who didn't have time to go to church, who didn't have time to be baptized, didn't have time to join up, didn't have time to to do any wonderful works. He just believed in Jesus Christ and God saved his soul. And then he saw through all of this time, three hours of time of him hanging on the cross in agony and pain. They say that the criminals who were crucified, there'd be a little ledge that their feet would rest upon and they would actually slump up under the weight and the time of crucifixion. And their body would just go limp. And then they would actually have to shove themselves back up and erect themselves to where they could get a grasp of air. And then they would get that grasp of air, then they would slump back down. And for three hours, Christ has been going through that. He looks through the crowd and he sees his mom. And he looks over there at his mom and he says, Woman, this is now your son, talking of John. And he looked at John and he said, John, this is now your mother, take care of her. For the first three hours, he has pled the cause of others. It's been all about others, not himself. And then something drastic happens at Calvary. For three hours, the sun has blazed its heat and its rays and its, and its violet rays and on the Son of God, on this place called Calvary. And all of a sudden, the lights go out. God darkens not just Jerusalem, not just Calvary, not just Jerusalem or Israel or the eastern countries, But the Bible tells us that the entire world went dark. The sun quit shining. The sun is still blazing up in the sky, but in a miraculous way, God has darkened the entire world. And for another three hours, Jesus Christ hangs in darkness. During some time during those three hours, I don't know exactly at what point, but Jesus Christ out out of the darkness pierces the world with this cry. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Oh my, nobody else could see anything going on but God in heaven. Jesus Christ hanging on the cross of Calvary. He's hanging. He's he's concerned about everybody else. But now, mysteriously, He's hanging in darkness. And He's experiencing for all of us what we would experience if we died lost. You see, every person who dies lost without Christ They die and they go to outer darkness. On the outskirts, the deepest of recessed darkness that you can get, 
Nothing, nothing to see. Never one side out of your eye. Darkness, Christ is experiencing that darkness. And he cries, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he's experiencing for every lost person what they would experience if they die lost. And they experience the divide between them and their creator. I believe one of the horrors of hell will be people experiencing separation between them and their creator. Which brings me to this cry now. The sun has begun shining again. This is the last hour of Calvary. Six hours now, Calvary has been a reality in the life of the Son of God. For six hours, Jesus has been hanging. Three in sunshine, three in darkness. And now the sun begins to break again. And the Son of God is lit up and He's got three final things to say. And this fifth saying of Christ as we listen to Calvary, He says two simple words, I thirst. And with that thought in mind, with that saying before us, presented to us today, I want us to first consider this thought about it, that the horrors continue. He said, I thirst. Not only has he experienced the darkness that every lost person will experience as they burn in a place called the lake of fire, Not only has he experienced the divide between him and his father, he's now going to experience the emptiness that every lost person will experience for all of eternity. As he says, I thirst. Have you ever, you ever thirsted? You ever gotten so, so worked or so at a point in your life where you just wanted something to drink? You just wanted something to quench your thirst. You feel so empty in your thirst. You just want, you long for a cool drink of water. And Jesus Christ hanging on the cross of Calvary. And whenever the sun begins shining again, he says these words, I thirst. I believe this with all of my heart that God, being every one of our creators, God made you. You're not an accident. God, God purposed you on this. You're not an accident. Don't you let evolutionists tell you such a lie out of hell. You were created by God. And I believe that creating God put on the inside of every person an empty spot. A place where people all around this world are trying to feel. You go around this world and go to foreign countries and you'll run into people who are trying to fill that void, that empty place with with religion, man-made religion. 
Go to India there. They've invented 33 million gods trying to fill that void and not one of them, not one of the 33 million can fill that void on the inside of their soul. Going around the world and go to, go to in the, the lands and you'll find out that they're worshiping Buddha. They're worshiping Mohammed. They're worshiping Allah. They're worshiping gods, invented gods that they've made up trying to fill an empty place. While you come over to America, you'll find out that they're worshiping the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church. They're doing anything they can trying to fill an empty spot in their life with religion. But not just religion. People try to fill that empty spot with money. They try to fill that empty spot with a career. They try to fill that empty spot with love, with sex. They try to fill that empty spot with all manner of things. And there's not but one thing, one thing that'll fill that spot, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, your Creator. And Jesus Christ is experiencing that. What every lost person will experience for all of eternity, that hunger, that thirst for God in their lives. And they'll never, never, never have Him in their lives. I remember when I worked at the railroad, I I thought I had it made. Making good money. Why, I was making such good money. My wife knew before I did when payday happened. (laughs) She would drive up to the railroad. We had a saying, the eagle has landed. That meant payday. My wife knew when the eagle landed. She'd be sitting in the parking lot and she'd let me know. I, I would know she was there. And I'd go out there and give her my paycheck and her and the boys would take off into the sunset. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought I had it made. I thought, I thought I had arrived. I thought I had everything in life that I could ever think of or want. Had money, had a family, had children now. But there was something still empty in my life. Something still missing. Something that just could not satisfy had all the friends at work that I'd ever want. We had a, a good array of friends that we would accompany with and do things with throughout life. We, I, I had, had a nice home, a brick home. I had everything the world tells each other that they need in life. But I was empty, 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 something missing in my soul. And thank God, the Lord Jesus Christ showed me what it was. And it was Him all the while. I got saved on November 21st, 1982. And I've never longed for anything else since because Jesus has filled that empty spot in my life. But can you imagine somebody dying without Christ? Dying and 
and going to eternal punishment and, and all their eternity longing for God to fill an empty spot in them and there, and it'll never happen. Longing for their creator to be a part of their life and it'll never happen. You say, why? Because they rejected him while they had the opportunity. If you reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're rejecting the only thing that'll make you complete and whole. You're rejecting the only one who can give you real meaning in life. You're rejecting the only one who can do, do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or that. You're rejecting life Himself when you reject Jesus Christ. And Jesus, as the horrors continue, is experiencing, says, I thirst. When I pastored down in Waycross, we had a fella, his name was Johnny Floyd. And uh, Brother Johnny was such a blessing. He was, he would, we'd be doing stuff around the church and he was always right there with me doing things. And old Brother Johnny didn't have a hair on his head. He was bald-headed. He was an older man and he stuttered real bad. And you talk to him and Brother Johnny would try to answer you and it'd take him a while. And uh, Brother Titus told a story the other day about this guy who uh, stuttered real bad, wanted to sell Bibles, and nobody else could sell them. <laughs> and this guy went out one day and he'd come back and he had made more money selling Bibles. And they said, how did you do that, stuttering the way you do? He said, well, 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 well I, 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 I would walk up t -t -t to the ha -ha -ha house and I'd, I'd, I'd say, do you want a Bible or you want me to weed it to you? Oh... <laughs> 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 uh, Brother Johnny Floyd stuttered real bad, but he could sing. He had a baritone voice out of this world. And when he sang, it was like Mel Tillis. He never stuttered not one word. And I remember Brother Johnny would get up and he'd sing a song entitled, He Did It All For Me. It says, once a man whom we know as the Son of God hung upon a cruel tree. He suffered pain as no mortal man. He took my place. He did it all for me. The Corps says he did it all for me. Each drop of blood he shed for even me. When the Savior died, bowed his head and died. Oh, praise the Lord. He did it all for me. You know why Christ is hanging on this cross? Because he loves you so much. He wants to fill the thirst of your life and save your soul. Oh, if you just let Him into your heart and into your life, you would become satisfied and be able to become what God wants you to be in life, a complete human being. The horrors of Calvary continue. But then I want to say secondly, as Jesus cries these words, I thirst... 
I want, to, I want us to consider his heavenly comprehension. Verse 28 reads like this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. I read those words and I'm struck with this thought that Jesus is not out of control. He is completely in control. Even in his final hour of death, six hours he's hung on Calvary. For six hours he's hung there in shame. Six hours free in daylight, free in darkness. Christ is hung there and he's, he's in pain like no person has ever suffered before. And the Bible says, knowing that all things were now accomplished and that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he cries out, I thirst. There's a verse of scripture recorded for us in the book of Psalms chapter 69 that says this, and this is Christ speaking, says, reproach hath broken my heart and I'm full of heaviness and I look for some to take pity, but there was none and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And he's doing all of this in complete control of the situation. He's not lost control of anything. The devil thought he was in control. Man, the Romans thought they were in control. The Jewish Pharisees thought they were in control. But no, <clears throat> this one statement proves to us that Jesus Christ is in control of the entire situation. You say, why is he... Hanging on Calvary for you. Why is he hanging there suffering like no man has ever suffered before? Because he loves you. You'll never, you'll never be able to say that nobody loves me in life. Because Jesus Christ proved that he loves you by hanging on Calvary. The Word of God tells us this, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And he laid down, he willingly laid down his life. They did not force him to Calvary. He submitted to the will of his Father and he submitted to the cross, even the death of the cross. And he hung there in shame and took your place. He took your sins. He took what you should have gotten when he died on Calvary, because he loved you that much. Oh, what a Savior, what a Savior we have to know that he loves us the, as much as he does. And then we go through, we get saved and we go through life and something happens and we doubt that he loves us. Can I get a witness right there? I've been there. I've wondered, God, if, if you love me so much, why are you letting this happen in my life? You know why he's letting it happen? Because he's in full control. He never loses control of your life, my life. Even though we may accuse him and think that he has. Don't you know that a God that is so, that is so real and so omnipowerful. That in six hours of crucifixion he can still with a, with a very clear presence of mind. Just to fulfill scripture, say, I thirst. Don't you know that he can take control of your life? 
Don't you know that he can handle your life also? Jesus Christ had a heavenly comprehension when he said this. Then I want to I lastly say this. I want us to consider this. The humanity of Christ. I thirst. <laughs> One of the greatest mysteries in all the word of God. In all the world to me. Is that this man Jesus was God. The Bible bears that out. Well, Brother Joe Chancey called me the other day and he said, Brother John, he said, when did you realize that Jesus Christ was God? And I thought about it and I've never really thought about that. And when I got saved, that was not an, an issue. That, that wasn't a thought of mine. I just knew that I was, if I died the way that I was, I was going to hell and I needed Jesus to save me. And I called on him and he saved me. And I told him, I said, well, it, have, it had to be after I got saved, Joe. And maybe when I began reading the Bible, studying the Bible, I began realizing that Jesus is God. This person hanging on Calvary is God. God. The creator of everything. The one who created the worlds. The Bible says in the book of Timothy, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. You never read one time in this Bible where Jesus became God. You never read that. He always has been, is, and always shall be God, God Almighty. Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him or without Him. There is nothing made that was made. He is God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You do read, however, that He did become man. (laughs) My mind's trying to get this. God. 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 And he becomes a man. 100% God, 100% man woven together in one body, Jesus Christ. While he was on earth, he walked on water. He healed lepers. He raised a man from the dead. He fed, he fed five, 7,000 people with just five loaves and two fishes of bread. He was God. But at the same time, he got weary, he tired, he slept, he got hungry, he thirsted, and now we're looking at the humanity of Christ as he hangs there and he says, I thirst. What do they do? They run and get a a bunch of hyssop. You remember the hyssop? The hyssop was what they were to dip the blood in. In Exodus 12 and get blood on the end of that hyssop and strike it over the doorpost and the lintels. And whenever the death angel passed through the land of Egypt, it said that, said that he would, when he saw the blood, he would pass over them. Now they're taking hyssop. The Son of God has cried. He's let them know what he needed. And they run out there and they dip that hyssop in vinegar. 
and they reach it up to the parched lips of Jesus Christ and give him vinegar to drink. A man thirsty, a man that's been dying for them, a man that's hung in shame for them, and now they're dipping that hyssop in vinegar, putting it to his lips. I wondered about that. And I, and I, I wondered so, so about it, and, and I, I just thought, well, I'm going to study the word thirst in the Bible, and especially the Gospels. I wanted to see what Jesus Christ said about thirst. And I found out that seven times that word thirst is found in the Gospels. Seven times. The number of completeness. Six of those times, Jesus Christ talked about thirsting. He said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He said in John 4, to the woman at the well, Jesus answered, said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. John 6, 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. In John 7, Jesus said these words, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now the one who was always inviting and encouraging others to come to him to fulfill their thirst, he's saying, I thirst. What is he thirsting for? He's thirsting. He's, he's, he's reciprocating exactly our need. And he said, now I thirst. I want you to come to me. I want, I want you to come and fulfill my thirst. How do we do that? By coming and asking the Lord to save our souls. The Son of God saying, I thirst. I want to ask you something. Have you ever fulfilled the thirst of God and come to Him? Have you ever fulfilled the thirst of Jesus Christ by coming to Him and asking Him into your heart and life to save your soul? Jesus is pleading. He's crying. He's dying for you to come to Him. He wants you to come to Him more than anything else in life. It's all that matters to Him. There's nothing else that matters to the Son of God other than you coming to Him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, crying on Calvary, I thirst. Sister, you come to the piano. I... In my mind, once I learned that Jesus Christ is God, I believe that with all my heart. But what I do struggle with is knowing that He's man. I struggle, I stumble over that at times. I remember one time, I heard her, I was sitting in a meeting and a preacher got up and preached and he got to talking about Jesus Christ. 
having to learn the scriptures. And I was sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, he didn't have to learn the scriptures. He wrote the scriptures. He is the word of God. And I'm, I'm just kind of being critical in my mind. I'm, I'm bearing my sins before all and I'm just kind of being critical of what the preacher said. But then I got to thinking, well, as a man, he did have to learn the scriptures. He did have to be taught the scriptures as a man that's that's hard for me to get that's hard for me to comprehend that Jesus Christ is that much man but that man that man went back to heaven to sit in our place and he's waiting on all of us to get there I want to tell you a story back in 1969 I July the 16th, 1969, Apollo 11 blasted off from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida and it was headed to the moon. 1969, four days later, that, that moon pod that they were in landed safely on the moon. Once it touched down and all the dust settled, so to speak, uh, Neil Armstrong called Houston and said, Houston, said, uh, the eagle has landed. They had nicknamed that pod the eagle. And he said, the eagle has landed. I think it was like four hours. They sat there on the moon in that pod and they waited to make sure everything was a go and everything was okay. They checked the oxygen they opened the door to the pod, making sure that they could survive with just the oxygen running to them. And then Neil Armstrong went down that ladder and he touched and stepped on the moon. You remember the words that he said? You remember what he said? That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And you know what they did? I believe it was Buzz Aldrin came down just a few hours later and joined him on the moon. And those two men, they planted an American flag on the moon. It's up there today. They planted that American flag on the moon. And they put a plaque up under that flag. You know what that plaque says? I'm going to quote. It says this, Here men from planet Earth, first set foot upon the moon, July 1969. And it says, we came in peace for all mankind. <laughs> you, the thing about that, we're in more turmoil now as a world than we've ever been before. Them landing on the moon didn't do a thing for me and you. <laughs> but can I tell you another story about a man who went from heaven to earth and back again. And when he got there, he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. And now he's making mediation for you. He's praying for you. He wants you to be saved more than anything else in life. He proved it. He said, I thirst. Have you ever come to him? Have you ever personally seen yourself for who you really are, a sinner? on your way to hell and come to Him personally and said, Jesus, save me. 
Jesus saved me. Without that, without that expression of faith and belief, you'll die lost and spend an eternity without Jesus Christ.